0: What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Well, welcome to the show, Mr. Jason Samard. How are you doing today, sir? Good, my friend. Thanks for having me on. We've got Jason Samard here today, a very special guest out of believe it or not, Nanaimo. So as a second guest in a few months from Nanaimo, who would have ever guessed? Uh, Jason comes from us. He is uh, the leader and founder of real estate Sims real estate group, and also um, leading a really unique system outside of that called uh, Sims coaching systems. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, really quickly, uh, Sims real estate group, I think we know what that is your real estate company focused on uh, taking care of people in the Nanaimo and surrounding areas, I believe. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Yep. We've got what, our... What's, Sim, what's Sim's coaching systems really quickly before we dive in?
1: Uh, so we actually mentor and coach agents all throughout North America, um, actually globally, but uh, we basically teach them the same systems that we've built in our real estate practice. So we were you know, fortunate to create a system that, that worked exceptionally well in our marketplace and we were able to build quite a successful real estate team. And um, we've taken those systems and been able to kind of mentor and coach other agents to set that up for themselves. Awesome,
0: awesome, man. So for anybody listening to this show right now, and wondering why are we bringing Jason on? I think the answer to that is twofold. Um, Jason has, he started real estate in November of 2015. He's only been doing it for about, about five years now, just about five years. And in that timeline, he's not only built a successful business on his own, but grown uh, to a team of, how many people is it now, Jason?
1: Uh, so in our team right now, total, I believe we have 13, 13, uh, 14 people uh, all together in anything- right now.
0: 14 people and uh, selling hundreds of homes every year, having a fantastic year in 2020. And I think Jason, um, the reason that we brought you on today was to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing to transition through real estate in the last few years and why you're having so much success, both for both from a consumer standpoint and what a, sh- a consumer should be looking for, but also uh, there's a lot of people who listen to our show who are in the real estate space. And I think they really appreciate some feedback and, and upfront honesty on like what types of Uh, things that you've done, whether it's from a mental standpoint or just physically what you've done to grow and see success in your business the way that you've done it. So really pumped that you could join us today. So, hey, Jason, I just want to walk people uh, back and give them just a brief overview of of your career trajectory. You've you've certainly answered this question a few times in the past on a few interviews on YouTube. Um, And um, you have a really interesting history working in uh, the credit union and the banking sector for a period of time. So Just give us a little bit of a broad overview of what you did then and and, uh, where you were located before you jumped into real estate.
1: Yeah, sure. So I spent 11 years in the financial industry. Uh, Seven of those years, I was a bank manager. I worked at credit unions. I worked at a national bank. Um, And so for me, one of my key advantages that I've had since I've been in real estate is the fact that I understand credit and I understand your world. And I understand the importance of having strategic partnerships in that world and having brilliant people like yourself. Uh, That understand credit how to properly set clients up for success. So having worked closely with probably hundreds, maybe thousands of files in my career prior to getting into real estate understanding what different areas that that deals could come from that that's helped me a lot. Obviously, Um, I also spent a couple years in the internet marketing world. Um, learning actually what some of the strategies that some of the highest producing agents are using in North America, you know, as far as lead gen systems, uh, marketing systems. And so that knowledge that I took um, set me up for success. So I came in with a different mindset than most realtors.
0: You know, years in advance that you were going to get into this real estate situation or, or was this just like, what, what happened? What, where do you find out about, you know, making that decision and what made you go from the safe banking world, which almost no one leaves when they get to the management position and jump into a uh, completely, uh, well, what's considered often a very, very, very busy market of people who like, like, uh, saturated market, I should say of real estate agents that people typically don't look up on.
1: Yeah. So number one, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. And so sitting in a bank and, you know, my friends and my family are like, oh, you've made it or whatever. And I never felt like I did. I felt like I had golden handcuffs and I was settling. And that was just me. Again, I'm not anybody that's listening who's a bank manager. I'm not saying that you're settling. I'm talking about me and me personally. Like I have this entrepreneurial spirit that I wanted to foster foster. and being in a box and kind of running things the way somebody else wanted and not having any creative say on the direction of what we're doing. Ultimately, just kind of, I have to say that I felt like I was sort of like a robot for me and it just wasn't my personality. And so I always knew that I was capable of something greater and that I wanted to make a bigger impact in people's lives. And so that's when I made a drastic change and I actually left banking altogether. You know, when you show up on Monday and it's your least favorite day of the week, it's usually when you know that you're not in the right place anymore. And so Monday has been my favorite day of the week for probably almost five years since I've been doing, running my own business. And so that's been a, a nice refreshing thing. You know, when you walk into work and you have anxiety, cause you're just like, ugh you know, that feeling. um, I haven't had that in a long time. You know, I've had different anxieties and stresses running businesses and stuff, but uh, it's much more rewarding and freeing. So um, how did I, did I have a plan? It was probably months out of necessity. So um, I worked in the consulting world, uh, was forced due to a a silly non-compete, which I won't get into the details, but I was forced to kind of like start my own real estate company or do something else. And so uh, for me, I was like, okay, well, life's kicked me in the butt. I'm at my lowest point financially. I need to go and and rise above this and I need to go bet on myself. And so I started Sims real estate group. I founded a plan and you know, had a vision that I would start the business exit production within five years, which a lot of people are like, what do you mean exit production within five years? Well, I wanted to build a system where people could thrive and do exceptionally well that would allow me to step into a role where I am today, where I can create other income streams other businesses where I can support our agents and basically create their pension plan. Real estate, believe it or not, is one of the industries that has no pension plan. There's generally no benefits. There's usually no exit strategy. So for me, I wanted to change that. And I'll start with a decision, my friend. I had to make a decision and I had to go all in on myself and, and, you know, take some risk and just shatter those golden handcuffs that I had. So,
0: Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, fantastic explanation and breakdown, Jason, of your, your story and why you uh, took that leap and, and where you're at today. And, and the first thing I want to recognize immediately is the vision. So you had a vision. It was clear. You have a series of goals. I mean, I think it's tough even, even five years ago for myself to envision where I was and am today. Um, looking at your uh, first year in the business, uh, you were able to close uh, 90 sales, I believe. Is that correct? Within the very first year in the business, actually, we did 100. We set up 135 sales. Okay, so so an astronomical number. And um, were most of these people uh, people that you knew from the past, uh, people that met you online? Where did most of these people come from that decided to call this first brand new agent?
1: I would say 98, 99 percent of the people that I did business with in that first year, I they were complete strangers to me when I first met them.
0: Awesome. So, really interesting to hear that because I don't know if I'd trust somebody who started three months ago <laughs> jumping into the business. But clearly, you're very good at building that connection, and uh, that's a huge testament to obviously uh, where people are looking uh, to purchase real estate right now, which is a big part of what I wanted to talk to you about today. So, really quickly, how big is the town of Nanaimo, Jason?
1: Like, how many people are are in Nanaimo and surrounding areas? Do you have any idea? Uh, just under ninety thousand people in Nanaimo, and I think if you add sort of like the surrounding areas, you know, you're probably looking at about 150,000 people total.
0: Okay. And do you have any idea like annually, again, this is a on the fly question. So if you don't know the answer right now, how roughly how many
1: transactions occur on an annual basis in Nanaimo and surrounding areas? Now, do you know? Well, I don't know with all the surrounding areas, but in Nanaimo, it's, it probably fluctuates between 1500 and, and just under 2000 transactions a year so almost a 10% so about
0: a 7 to 10% market share in the first year that's pretty insane. So that says a lot to me about how people are are shopping and looking for real estate and uh obviously with what's just transpired in the last year with regards to the covid crisis and shutdown and the way that people are operating right now uh we're seeing more and more people start to make the move to being more comfortable online, although we do see still a lot of offline elements. So uh, why do you think like, first and foremost, like, why do you think you were able to, in your position, um, assist so many families and help so many families through this online source that maybe other agents in the area weren't during the timeline?
1: And, and I'll, I'll, I have a follow up question, but I'll leave that one there first and foremost. Well, I mean, number one, I was willing to outwork everybody. So that didn't hurt, right? Like I was willing to put in the work and have proactive real estate conversations daily. And um, A, I hired a really smart assistant three weeks into the business who had eight years experience. That was helpful. Um, Having been on the other side of the transaction, that was a huge advantage for me. So by having an assistant who could provide and fill in some of the gaps in those early days of, of what I didn't know, having some strong mentorship with agents in my market area, that helped. Um, But I was willing to outwork everybody. So I knew how to generate an abundance of opportunities where I could have conversations. And I knew if I always kept it focused on the relationship and never on the transaction, that I would move things in the right direction. So I, you know, there's some details that I, that I did. I created a one page business plan, which was very strategic. I picked three marketing pillars where I focused all of our attention and resources. So I didn't get shiny object syndrome where I wouldn't be distracted chasing new new different opportunities. Cause in real estate, we're one of the most heavily marketed to group on the planet, right? So you have to keep in mind that realtors are notorious for constantly trying to find new ways to, to create business. And the truth is is if you can just pick two or three things and really stick to that and create a measurable activity plan, which is focusing on what you can control, uh, which is, you know, picking up the phone, texting, building relationships, finding key strategic partnerships like the one that we have with thrive um, that is a great way to kind of kickstart things. So my actions, I probably was 10Xing what the average realtor was doing. So that helped me be able to fast track things. Plus I brought in leverage at key points in the business too. And most people would never hire an assistant three weeks into it being brand new. But for me, I knew that my return on time would be far greater doing higher income producing activities, serving clients with real estate. And then I could leverage out some of the areas which would be a $20 an hour or less task and have people help me. So from a business standpoint, your return on time is critical. So, so keeping
0: with that, uh, that online theme that we started the conversation off with there, you mentioned that, uh, a huge, uh, group, in fact, not almost everyone in that first year's uh, timeframe, uh, found you some way, shape or form, or didn't know, know about you before. And so I imagine you were sourcing these relationships through online and you don't have to tell us exactly, you know, how they found you or whatnot, but was there any common theme to why these people were searching online and how you were able to convert uh, cold, relationship that had no, obviously um, no referral or nothing like that into someone that was going to trust you with what's commonly uh, someone's biggest transaction of their entire life. So uh, what were you doing that was unique and why were people able to make
1: to to trust you during that? Well, number one, I I was pretty smart. I I was pretty smart at what I did. I understood our market. I understood the area. I was born and raised here. Um, I specifically targeted people that were moving from out of town in the first year. So while everybody was focusing on trying to get local relationships, I was focusing on those out-of-town relationships because I knew two things. Number one, they needed somebody like me on the inside who knows the area. So when I get to know their needs and their wants, I could actually really highly recommend the right areas they are going to suit their families. So that was, that was critical is that local knowledge having been born and raised here. That was critical. The second thing that I, I knew that with online leads was that I could have an abundance of opportunities so I could have something like my phone that I could pick up and I can reach out and connect with people. And so 92% of home buyers and sellers start their quest on the internet. Google and Bing are the two f- most popular places that people start their searches. So 90, 93% of search traffic online is Google. The other 7% roughly is about is Bing. So that was a great place for me to focus and drive traffic. And through my internet marketing experience, I knew exactly how to drive that traffic to our website and connect with more buyers and sellers through that. That's kind of my simplistic version of it.
0: So from November to today, obviously in the last nine or 10 months, have you noticed the way that people are searching for homes changed dramatically in that timeline um,
1: or, or not at all? Are there their uh, locations? People searching homes today is still online, right? You know, everybody has a computer in their pocket. Right. Everybody's addicted to these computers. I mean, how many hours does the average person spend on their phone? It's insane. It would actually it's actually mind blowing when you look at how much time is spent there. And so um, it it hasn't changed. If if anything, more and more people are utilizing these devices to run their lives. So it's uh, it's pretty common practice now that you're going to meet people through the Internet. It's it's crazy to say this, Alex, but like I know some really attractive people that are dating online. And 15 years ago, that would be like a taboo and be like, I'd never date online 20 years ago. That would have never happened. And today really attractive people that if they just went and started a conversation with single people, I bet you would have no problem getting dates, but they're going online.
0: Right. So... It is interesting. And I think it's just more of a comfort level, obviously, with the information that you can gather through an online source. So so thinking back for someone, we just did an episode recently on relocation in, uh, on the podcast. And we talked about how frequently we're seeing people make the move up to the interior, or to other parts of Canada, to the island, to teams like yours. And and um, with, with that being said, uh, the traditional mo- method of finding a real estate agent in those areas is you would ask maybe a local real estate agent that you trust for someone's name in these areas. Uh, that would be one very common way, or you would m- maybe just call them uh, in, in other different ways, in, I should say, sorry, in other different uh, ways by searching, like you said, online. Have you noticed a shift from the amount of people that are talking to their agents and asking for an introduction Uh, to just straight up jumping on Google, finding your website and
1: calling you guys. Has that changed? Well, I think people are trusting online reviews a lot more than they ever have, right? If you're going to pick between two hotels, what's the first thing you're going to do if you're looking at two hotels online? You're going to look at their reviews, right? That's kind of the world that we live in. So having a strong online presence makes sense as a realtor right? It really does. And so for us, it's not that people are calling necessarily just calling us. Yes, our referral business has grown exponentially and we get a lot of introductions and that certainly helped, but we have proactive systems in play where we're constantly a new you know new buyers and sellers on a regular basis you know we're constantly putting strong marketing out there that's drawing people into the right areas and so we have three key pillars social media internet leads and um and and our repeat and referral business and that's kind of been the foundation to our company since day one so yeah we we meet a lot of people through the internet it's just logical in 2020 that's how a lot of people meet each other and the great thing is is we still have those soft skills that are super important, right? So we're kind of, kind of lucky that we're a lot of us are from that zennial generation. We're not millennials. We're not Generation X, right? Um, we're right in the middle. So like I remember a time as a kid where there was no computers and there was no phones. So I had to develop those soft skills, and I'd be playing outside and meeting new people and new kids, and so I developed those early soft skills. But I was young enough where phones and technology and the internet was introduced at an early age, where I learned how to use those tools to my advantage. So I feel like we're one of the most lucky generations, because we still understand the, the baby boomers and that whole EQ side of things and those personal relationships and have that work ethic. But we also get the tech side so we can connect with the younger demographic too. So um, I do feel that we're very fortunate to kind of be born in that, you know, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Awesome, man.
0: I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's funny to hear someone say like, well, we go to school, we didn't have cell phones, but it's true. Um, I didn't have an iPhone until I was uh, in well, college, I should say. Um, so looking back, uh, you know, right now, I mean, one of the things that we, we covered in our conversation that you shared uh, a lot of knowledge is about the fact that you have a, a team and there's a team approach. And, you know, uh, I think I want to talk as, from a consuming standpoint, if you're a consumer listening to this, right? Like there's often, I find that there's kind of the battle where an agent who's on their own will say, Hey, listen, if you're working with uh, a team, you're not going to get the personalized support and you'll get passed around. Whereas a consumer who's talking to a team will say, Hey, you're not going to get X like the personalized service. So. I mean, what is your mindset on that team-based approach? Do you think this is something that we'll, we'll continue to see a lot of both opportunities? or Or are we going to be more like in the U.S. where we've seen a lot of teams really come to prevalence and support clients more like a business versus just running an independent agency? Because we're almost going back like 30, 40 years ago in the real estate space actually was pretty common to run like a company or a team and then it went to independent agent and then back to team again. Is this a sign for the future and is it better for a consumer? Is it better for a consumer is the question.
1: Yeah, my personal opinion is I think a consumer is going to get more value with a team because it's like you have a team of specialists that all play a key role in the transaction where as a single agent, I hate to say this, but you have to be a, a jack of all trades and you're usually a master of none, right? You cannot give World-class value and service. If you're spread too thin, and so you're going to have to really dramatically reduce the number of clients that you serve in order to do that. Well, then that's going to take a hit to you financially, which doesn't allow you to maybe put in the the extra marketing dollars to get the ex, extra attention on your clients' home, for example. So with a team, we kind of treat it like a, a high. Think of it as a high-performing um, doctor practice where you have specialists, like you have your knee surgeon, your knee surgeon. You have the surgeon that that works and operates on the brain that specializes in that area. Or think of it like a, a law firm, right? Everybody has their specific area that they really practice and excel in. So we have the same thing. We have our admin team. Their job is to make sure that all the compliance and paperwork is done perfect, right? Uh, We have our our agents who handle a lot of buyer transactions. So they specialize on understanding that side of the business and they're doing the risk management. They know the market, they know the inventory, they know the pricing. We have our listing specialists, So, you know, when it comes to listing a property, we have very strategic systems that have proven to outperform the market over and over and over, right? We've got our inside sales agent team or our client care department and they're critical in the process, because what they're doing is they're licensed and they're working behind the scenes to make sure when you have a question, it's getting answered quickly. If you need to get in to see a property, they're on it. If you need extra paperwork or information about a property, they're there and we have seven-day-a-week coverage. So for every client that works with us, you have your main lead agent, but that lead agent is able to do what they do best and make sure that you're well supported by having our admin team and our client care team working behind the scenes to service you as a client. So you have specialists at every facet. It's kind of like a well-oiled machine, to be honest with you, and it's why we get so many raving uh, fan club members uh, and people that are introducing us to their friends and their family because they're really feeling the elevated experience. And that's, for me, that's here to stay. As long as teams are building themselves the right way, where they're focusing on providing more value to the consumer than they're receiving in payment. And that's always been our focus, not only for our clients, but also for the agents that we serve as well.
0: Okay. So on the, that's a really good explanation. I think that's that's very fair. And uh, we talk about that all the time and what we do. I mean, in the, in the lending space, obviously we cover a, a broad array of different items uh, when it comes to our clients and quite a bit of either documentation, conversations, communication out throughout the entire process. And you know, we, we also explain to them, listen, I, my primary expertise is to advise and provide information. I have team members to support that and they're the best at what they do. And if I'm wasting my time, or if I'm spending my time, I should say doing things that aren't the best for you, then you're going to get subpar service. And I can appreciate that 100%. You wouldn't ask your 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 uh, doctor uh, as an example to do something that maybe the administrative staff can do, help you set up an appointment, right? Um, so with that in mind, again, kind of a focus moving forward here into uh, 20, end of 2020 and 2021. Let's talk a little bit about the market, what you've seen right now. I know you have your your, your boots to the ground still. You're still talking actively with agents. You still work with your team on a regular basis. So uh, you know, are we again? Let's just talk a little bit market predictions. What are we yet to see? I mean, we've already noticed a huge shift of people making the move from big cities into smaller towns with more space at lower cost. Do you think this shift continues uh, moving forward for the next six to 12 months, or is this a short term drift?
1: No, I actually think that the way that people run businesses going forward has probably been dramatically impacted and changed by COVID. I think I don't think there's a single company that's sitting out there right now thinking, how can we get more bricks and mortar space? How can we have, how can we pile a bunch of people working in the same office space? I think they're all figuring out, how can we run a more lean and mean and efficient operation and allow people the ability to work from home? And so that is a trend that's not gonna go backwards. It's gonna continue to move forwards, in my opinion. I think companies are gonna find ways to be more competitive um, and, and really, one of the worst costs as a business is office space because it doesn't generate any income. And if people can be more efficient working from home, there's actual studies that support this. And we've seen it in our own business where our our staff members are able to actually be more efficient working from home. There's less office distractions. They have a little bit more creative control on when they work their hours, which has been nice for them. Um, It's easier to accommodate life events, less sickness in the office too you have less people interacting with each other so i think it's going to continue and i think if you're sitting in a major market right now unless i'm just going to pick on vancouver you're sitting in vancouver and you're buying a condo a one-bedroom condo and it's costing you say five hundred thousand dollars. it's hard you would be hard pressed not to evaluate your living situation if you're able to work from home and say hey what kind of quality of life could i have in a place like nanaimo for example it's 20 minutes away has all the facilities you need your 20 minute flow plane away from vancouver what can i get for 500,000? well i can get a full single family home where i can actually have a, a yard and some space and my cost of living is lower i can still maintain a good income because i'm working from home so we are definitely i believe going to see this trend continue and uh, i think it's going to continue to fuel some of those lower price markets because look if you had options alex of where you can live anywhere in the world um, but you have the ability to choose anywhere, you're going to look at the cost, number one. You're going to look at the lifestyle. You're going to see what you can get for your, what bang you can get for your dollar. And I think that is going to ultimately influence where you go. So um, we're seeing that trend and I think it's here to stay. We also, I don't think interest rates are going up anytime soon. I think what's fueling, you know, the economy not being as, I mean, it's the economy is bad for a lot of people, but it's one of those things where it's, either really good for people or it's really bad it's kind of like there's not much in between right now is what we're seeing so what what's propping up the uh, the the recovery right now is the housing market and so keeping interest rates low i believe is going to be something that's going to stay for at least a couple of years maybe two to three years while we kind of get this pandemic under control and i don't think we're going to have that under control in the next six months i don't even think we'll have it yeah, i was years
0: yeah, it certainly could be a while and I can't disagree with what you said about the uh, the interest rates staying where they are and, and the fact that we are propping up the economy with uh, that. So so really quickly on that, I just want to just some commentary and feel free to jump in there as well. And I, while I do agree with you, I think the Canadian dream for so many people, whether they're from Canada or from other cities, has always been, house, the yard with the kids or, or some more space like that is the Canadian dream. And to your point, I think there's no doubt we are going to see a continued, uh, a group of people who are evaluating their price point decision. But the one thing that I found really interesting, I was looking for research. Uh, I was looking all over the internet for research and this actually, it was a few months ago, I was digging into this, but, uh, uh, the closest comparison that I could find on the impact of the housing market from a major, um pandemic or similar pandemic was back in Japan. And again, this is a few months ago, it was like 2003 when they had the H1N1. And they talked about the impact on the housing market in Japan. And I don't know if that's a direct comparable because they don't necessarily have the space that Canada has anyways, but they did talk about how that actually did not negatively impact uh, condensed housing and the price points of Japan over time went up. Now, I guess there's a few things to consider, uh, is first and foremost, the amount of space that they have just in general and whether or not they had the ability to work remote back then, I would argue they probably didn't have the same opportunities. They maybe had to still hop on a train or something like that. Um, what, or I'm curious again, is does Vancouver continue to see that, that, you know, continued growth in those areas and maybe bounce back that way. Or to your point, is it, is it just a full-on scatter out? I think it's probably going to be a balance of the two, um, but where it may hurt is some of the smaller cities outside of uh, Vancouver. Hard to say. Any commentary on that or thoughts? Well,
1: you know what? It's going to be interesting to see it, right? Like if you look how people live in different parts of the world, it's interesting what different cultures value, right? Like for example, you know, Japan, you brought it up. Well, there's a lot of people that are in these cities that are very condensed, and that's kind of a normal way to live. Look at China. China has like our biggest, our most populated cities in North America. I don't even know if they'd be in the top 10 in, in China. Like there's literally people that flock to cities and they look for that type of living. Whereas in Canada, the dream is usually like to go and have like a house with a yard and a little extra space. And like, you know, we're very lucky even at Vancouver. I mean, it's not that populated for the size of the city in comparison to how some people live in other parts of the world so i think it's going to be interesting i think there's always going to be a demand for a city like vancouver that has beautiful coastal mountains has the diversity that it has and there's definitely a lot of job and employment there so i think that's going to be desirable however i have to say that there's going to be some pretty attractive opportunities for more affordably priced markets for people that have the option if you're forced to go to work downtown vancouver all right well that's maybe not a possibility but if all of a sudden now your work's like look you can work from home which means you can live from anywhere as long as you have reliable internet and you've set up a, a proper space for you we don't care where you live anymore you don't need to come to the office i would say that those people would not they they're not sitting there thinking oh we're gonna stay in vancouver i bet you if they're renting right now and they're like hey could we afford to buy let's go and check out some of these other markets vancouver island happens to be absolutely gorgeous the Okanogan okanagan happens to be gorgeous so like these different markets i do think will benefit from people having options. Does it mean that everybody's gonna flood away? No, but look what's happening in New York, right? New York is seeing the opposite effect of other markets. They're starting to see their prices come down because a lot of people are fleeing the big city now that they have options and they're looking for other priced markets that are more affordable, right? Rent Rents are adjusting in, in New York, which they've needed to because the cost of rent has gotten out of control there. Um, and so I've got clients, for example, in Utah, which has really a, like affordable housing. They're seeing a huge increase. Uh, we're seeing the same thing in places like Florida. Um, so it's really fascinating. Montana, I've got I've got people that I that I um, partner with in Montana, of all places, right? Beautiful place. Well, a lot of people are starting to move there from California because the prices are too high. Now that they're able to work from home, they're like, I can have the wilderness and all these amazing things. And the housing is like half the price. I'm in. So I think you're going to see that trend continue. I'm not saying it's doom and gloom for people living in the big city, but if you were an investor or if you were somebody looking for a better lifestyle. You probably are going to look at different markets that are a little more affordable where you can have more of the so called Canadian or American dream right
0: so, to, so to that really that point, really quickly, as we uh, kind of end, we have a few more uh, minutes here. But uh, you brought up as an investor, you're suggesting that an investor who's thinking about getting into the market should be looking at one of these quote unquote smaller
1: towns that are ready to boom. Or Is that what you're suggesting? I think it, I think you'd be um, hard pressed not to look at those, right? I think you need to okay. look at those. you got to look at what can you get for your return on capital, right? If you're having to drop a million dollars for a place in Vancouver and it doesn't even cash flow, but you can drop say. 500,000 on something that's going to generate a cash flow for you, um, that's obviously a no brainer, right? So you have to go where it makes sense. Take a look at what the trends are. You know, what are the things that bring people to the area? Is it just employment or is there more to it? Like, for example, Vancouver Island is a beautiful retirement destination. So we're able to attract people who want a better quality of life. Maybe they grew up in the prairies and not to put the prairies down, but you know, it's not going to be as scenic and as beautiful as Vancouver Island, where we have the coastal mountains where you can go surfing and snowboarding in the same weekend, right? Where can you do that anywhere else in Canada? There are very, very few places. Um, we have accessibility to the mainland. So if I want to be in Vancouver, I can literally drive five minutes from my house right now get on a float plane and I'd be downtown in 20 minutes to meet up with you. So in less than an hour, I could be in Vancouver and come hang out with you.
0: Cool. Faster, faster than me from, from my office. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: so like how cool is that that we have those opportunities? And again, I'm able to have a beautiful home and a good lifestyle for my family in a community that overall is very safe, you know, has lots of nature trails. So it's really a no brainer. And I have abundance abundance of choices when it comes to restaurants and things like that too. So yeah, I, would like to think that, you know, it's not just a fad. I think more and more people are going to reevaluate where they live. And I think a lot of the resources that would go to traveling is gonna go back into home improvements or people looking to upgrade and say, you know what, maybe we're not gonna travel as much. So we're seeing a big boom right now with secondary properties. I just purchased one myself because you know the cost on it was was really affordable and it allows me to create memories with my family. So I think some of the Gulf islands here around Vancouver Island too are going to see a, a, an increase in demand because people are looking for local escapes where they can go and create memories and instead of going to you know Italy they're probably gonna be like, hey, what's a cool place that I can explore in BC? And it makes sense.
0: It should be really interesting to see the next couple of years. Hey, I wanna kind of throw you on the spot here um, as we uh, close out the show here and talk a little bit about mindset really quickly. Just one or two tidbits that you wanna share with our listeners right now. I I found that a lot of people who listen to our show are people who have a goal of owning their first property or their, their first investment property or are in the real estate space and they're learning how to get better. You talked really quickly about how you were willing to work harder than a lot of people in your, at least from what you could tell from other people not to put anyone down in this space. And you had a clear objective of doing that. Is there anything you want to leave with uh, the people here as to how you develop that mindset and how you continue to keep that mindset on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, anything
1: that you could share there? yeah sure I mean you, you need to have some internal motivation and passion for what you're doing that's why I left uh, the golden handcuffs because the passion wasn't there I needed something that fulfilled me deep that would drive me and motivate me to want to push hard push through the uh, rejection that you face in life so for somebody that's looking to buy a home and it feels like it's out of reach start with a simple plan right like maybe start paying yourself first so instead of like paying everything else on payday start by paying yourself first Start with 5% of your income, then bump it up to 10% and bump it up to 15%. I bought my first place when I was 19 years old. It's when I I was working at the bank. I remember it clearly. I was making $29,500 a year, which is not a ton of money, right? Um, But what I did is I went and picked up a delivery, a pizza delivery job at night so that I could continue to pay myself first, so I could stick to my goal. And that's how I came up with my down payment. And it was a plan. It was discipline. I was willing to forego certain luxuries and I didn't go and have all the nicest clothes, but I had a plan. Every payday, I paid myself first. I'd have it automatically come off my paycheck and go into an account and I would just build that up. And so I wasn't making enough money to support my plan. So I went and picked up another job and that's what I did. And that sort of gave me that resourcefulness to make it happen. So if you really want something, get resourceful, start talking to different mentors in your life and qualify those people the right way. But there's always a way you can get what you want as long as you're willing to put in the effort and be resourceful. And so, um, again, uh, I, I've been able to, I'm blessed to make considerably more than that now, but I remember those humble beginnings and I remember what I had to do to get myself ahead. And so, as long as it's not breaking values and, and ethics, figure out a way and it's there. Okay. Right?
0: That was awesome. Jason, I really appreciate that. You're, uh, you are You have a similar uh, piece of feedback that someone earlier in the show who's had a lot of success as well, uh, had as well, which was uh, basically willing to do the grind and then set that goal. And you put it differently. I love this. Pay yourself first. Big, big, giant quotes. So we're gonna get that all over the place. Hey, uh, Jason Samard, the Sims Real Estate Group and uh, Sims Coaching Sessions, uh, uh, Systems, I should say. He is available online. Check him out on Facebook. Uh, do you have a specific place you want to send people to, Jason?
1: Sure, I mean, if you're an agent and you're looking to level up in your business, um, we're always looking to collaborate and help people. Check out our Sims Coaching Systems page. Uh, We've got a Sims Mastermind page on Facebook, which is great. Uh, There's lots of valuable content that we're putting out there for free all the time to help agents. Uh, We've got some amazing systems. We've got great coaching and training. So that's something for you. If you're a consumer and you're looking to transact and buy real estate, maybe you're looking for investment opportunities on Vancouver Island, maybe you're looking to relocate here because you want a better lifestyle. We have some amazing agents that not only play here, they live here, they raise their families here. um, And we understand the market inside and out, you know, being the, the highest producing team in the marketplace. Uh, We can give you a lot of inside scoops. We collaborate really well with agents. And for us, it was really important that we built our business the right way by having good relationships and never getting blood on our hands. So we'd be honored to help you guys in any way, shape or form.
0: Perfect, perfect. So make sure to contact Jason. And to our point, uh, our team at Thrive here is 100% remote and helping people all over BC and the country. Jason Samard, thank you so much for joining me today, sir, in the middle of the afternoon. I uh, appreciate you coming on. I'm sure our guests got a lot of value. Appreciate you folks for listening. Make sure to uh, rate the show. Five stars, of course. And we'll see you next time.